It's reporters assembled. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, you heard it. The sports reporters. We have indeed assembled because it is Friday afternoon. You're hearing this on a Saturday morning uh, before Tennessee, like just run, runs right over the Ole Miss Rebels on Saturday night in Neyland. But before Bob gets into that and all the good folks around the country <laughs> tuning in on the SEC Network at 7.30, Bob Silverman of the Daily Beast is here. No Andrew Hammond of the Detroit Free Press this week. He will return next week. Bob. Andrew! <laughs> Andrew! Where are you? If you're listening, come back to us. <laughs> I miss you. I miss mm. your scent. I think this when all this podcasting stuff is over, we should get an apartment together. <laughs> there you go. Andrew, he, he put it out there. Bob put it out there for yeah. you. Um, Bob, how are things? How, shout how's out the dog? The classic 2006 comedy Anchorman. Yes. Those of you playing who don't remember that. Mm-hmm. Anchorman 2, possibly the worst movie of all time. <laughs> I might. It's, Wait, it's shockingly bad. Was Anchorman 2. Okay, so was Anchorman 2 the one with Will Smith and everybody in it, the long fight scene? Yes. Okay, yes. so the reason I know that, because I only watched Anchorman 2 once, but that's I watched it being than, filmed. That's more than more than the number of times anyone needs to have watched it. That's... Sorry for your cheap cash grab, Will Ferrell, but no. <laughs> well, the reason I say that is because, um, did you know where that was filmed, where they, they put Central Park... Uh, on what, the big was the, what was the placement for what was the replacement for central park uh downtown atlanta because i watched it happen oh very fun yeah i remember being confused i saw will and everybody in will smith they were so careful because when you look back it was a pretty stacked cast um to all have in there for that long fight scene so i watched that play out over the course of several days because i worked um right across the street and I just, it, it was amazing because I was in the Flatiron building and I don't know, I just remember seeing all that going on and all the fake yellow cabs surrounding the area. And <laughs> just, it, it was amazing because I asked, I was like, where are they trying? And I'm like, no, they're not going to try and say Woodruff Park is Central Park, but that is exactly what happened there. That's right, folks. Gotham City is set in Chicago. Anchorman mm. 2 is an Atlanta film. <laughs> we just destroyed so many Anchorman 2 diehards. I have not watched I that. know. The Anchorman 2 subreddit is going to just take us down. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna be out for blood. What a dark um, place. Speaking of, speaking of movies, they were filming uh, a movie that is currently in production for Netflix, a mm. rom-com called Your Place or Mine, mm-hmm. starring Ashton Kutcher and, and Reese Witherspoon. Um, they were filming that around the block from my place last week. And it was fun because I had to explain, uh, my significant other and I were sort of like wandering around, you know, running errands and going to the, the farmer's market on Saturday. This is a thing that mm-hmm. normal, good, healthy couples do. And mm-hmm. so we were, doing that. um, and so, you know, they took up the whole block filming this movie and I had to sort of, and she, and we stood there and we watched and we sort of like were half keeping an eye out to see what famous people we might be able to spy. And uh, it was really a lot harder now because everyone was in masks. So you couldn't immediately sort of point and gawk at the famous people. Um, So thanks COVID-19 for that. Mm. Um, But it's, it's another, another heartbreaking, heartbreaking tragedy to COVID 
harder to stalk celebrities <laughs> on movie sets. Um, in any case, so we were there for like 10 minutes and half, you know, sort of while we were walking the dog and while we were sort of darting into various stores. And she asked me, she's like, is nothing actually going to happen here? And I had to say to her that this is how that so an unimaginable amount of time is spent on the set of even a low budget indie film hanging around and waiting and seemingly with nothing happening before someone, a director actually yells action, which they don't always actually do, but before a camera rolls and someone says a line, et cetera, et cetera, even one that's not a Marvel movie or, you know, a big budget fight scene like Anchorman 2, it is a lot. Like, I've been, I've been on the set of a couple of super low budget movies. The amount of time you spend just sitting and waiting. Mm and waiting and sitting and then doing one thing and then waiting some more and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting while a million other things in this entire army of workers required to make a single movie happen take place. It is, it, it, from the outside, it looks like there are just hundreds of people standing around sipping coffee and doing nothing, which is not the case, but the actual, a little, little peek behind the curtain there for all of you film buffs watching the show, and not just people in the Anchorman 2 subreddit. <laughs> um, yeah, so we got to see that. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Ashton Kutcher was not filming that day, as far as I can tell, nor was Reese Witherspoon. What was his hat game? Because he's very much addicted to rocking all kinds of different hats. He's He loves a good hat. He wears a hat every day. Did you see a Bears uh, hat? Was it an Iowa Hawkeyes I hat? Not, I did not see Ashton Kutcher. Again, I'll refer to you to the mask people. Well, no, you can have a mask, but you can have the, the hat over it. I, I, I did. You know, there were a lot of Teamsters there, and they mm. all wore hats, so he probably uh, blended in very well. Okay. I feel like if I was with you guys, I would have been able to spot him within seconds because I would have well, seen that Iowa Hawkeyes logo. one of the benefits coming to New York City and hanging out is the possible chance to tell what kind of hat Ashton Kutcher wears. That is true. You might run into Peter Dinklage when you're walking your dog. Yeah, I did that. That You did do that. Not the best interaction, though, Bob. That was a great celebrity interaction. I don't know what you were doing there. Peter Dinklage said, cool pup about Mm -hmm. my dog. Mm -hmm. Top that. No, but what did you say in response? Thanks. Uh, Yeah, what is that? Thanks. What would you like me to say? What should I say? I mean, like, what should I say? Like, uh, <laughs> you, were, you were you were awesome in Game of Thrones. I enjoyed that show a lot. It's very cool. No, mm. played fool. He offered a compliment. I I thanked him for the compliment. You meet him on his level and don't think you're going to recite his entire filmography while he's out there enjoying some Hagen Dazs. That is true. He was great in um, what was the film that came out a couple years ago uh, about the the woman rising and he was like a drug kingpin in the ward. She was like scamming all these different people. Um, the hospital. He was, was a drug kingpin. Yes, it was one of my favorite movies I've seen in in the last couple of years. Who was it? It was the the woman yeah, from his filmography. Mm-hmm. It was the woman from uh, Gone Girl. The uh, what's her name? She's got a, a funny sounding name. She's British. Yes, the blonde. Um, what's yes. her name? Uh, when did this come out, man? This came out it's... two to three. Uh, it's not. I think we're alone now. What is that? Um, it came out probably four to five years. Oh, I care a lot. That's what it is. 
Oh, it came out last year. I didn't. I thought it was oh, older. That, the movie where she's scamming. She, she's scamming. Uh, she's doing elder abuse on a massive scale. Yes. Peter Dinklage is a drug kingpin in that one. Yes, I did not watch that. That stars Rosamund Pike. Yes. It's fantastic. I would. I, I think you would love it. That. that. I mean, the funny thing is that is based. The that movie is based on a New Yorker story. Hmm. Um, that ran a few about uh, five years ago. Hmm. The really, the, the, which drives my significant other to her wits end because she had the like she wrote the exact same. She covered a lot of the, the same territory mm. in her like thesis at her like final like graduate thesis at Columbia. And then shopped it around and couldn't get anyone to bite. And then the New Yorker ran a very similar story. Not that the New Yorker wrote her stole her idea. Like elder abuse is a wide and varied topic, but it took place in a lot of the same places. And she certainly didn't read my significant other's uh, paper slash article and steal it. I just want to make that clear. I'm not accusing plagiarism. It's just that it bugs her because my girlfriend had... She had it. She had that New Yorker story, but you couldn't mm. get anyone to bite on it. And so it makes her very upset. Sorry, honey. Does she listen Which to Todd? No, 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 mm. no. She gets to hear me talk a lot already. Mm-hmm. And I feel as though asking her to hear the sound of my voice for fun in her free time mm-hmm. is probably not the kind of demand I should. And not the kind of stress I want to put on the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's it's, fair. It's, it's hard enough to get her to read things that I write, especially when I write, you know, 10,000 words on YouTube doofuses. Where she's, <laughs> she's just like, okay, she, within the first 500 words, she goes, I got it. They're awful. Why do I need to read more? Mm. So you need to know why they're awful and how they're awful and the specifics of the awful things they do, the things that fascinate me, the things that I use to feed the brain worms in my head and keep them strong and well-nourished. But Sometimes that's not her jam, so she doesn't read them. So sorry, Chase. Uh, my significant other is not a Chase Thomas podcast listener. I don't think I'll be able to win her over in any way, nor would I try. That's okay. I get it. Okay. I get it. Does your, does 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 the sports renaissance woman? Does, no. Yes. I don't think does. so. Mm. I think she does sometimes. I think it's more like what you said, where she gets enough of me because uh, yeah. we live together. That like. <laughs> I don't think she needs, she gets the, it's like, all right, honey, I'm just going to hang out (laughs) and listen to you talk in my ear about sports. Mm -hmm. No, no, I don't think so. But so this naturally brings us to a piece on defector.com, a very good website that people should subscribe to if they have not already. Um, I gave you some homework. I wanted to get your perspective. I don't like that. I know. I don't like homework. I know you don't. I don't like, I read a great deal of. A uh, great many blogs and articles and mm-hmm. um, pamphlets or pamphlets. What pamphlets are you reading these days? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll look into that another time. Okay. Um, but uh, so yeah, I read it. Yeah, it's it, it's about Ozzy. I mean, mm. so what what do you want to what do you want to talk about, man? I'm I'm almost I'm Ozzy'd out these days. But I'm ready to go into it again. Well, I just think it's interesting. I didn't really want to talk about Ozzy. Just more of the general. It is interesting that like. Because this is something that I've I've thought about a lot with different people in my generation and seeing other. Because I don't really view myself as an entrepreneur. Um, okay. I guess I kind of fall into that, but I would never put myself in that category. Because I just I think that doesn't really mean anything, and it's not really a. a I don't know. I just don't think writer podcast. I, I don't know. I don't think I'm an entrepreneur, but 
I could understand if my father described me as one to a friend of his. Like, I, I would understand, like, why he would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's interesting where there's this fine line where in the piece, like, they outline, like, just, no, that was fraud. What you're doing is not lying, and there's nothing to no. faking it till you make it. And there is another way, which is not faking it until you make it. But there's this idea that's perpetuated by a lot of people. And I see this a lot in, um, in our young, with young people. It's just that, like, I know you're not that successful. I know the numbers are not there. And you act as though they are because you think that you're supposed to do that to get to a yes. certain point. There, well, I think it's a couple of things. It's really toxic. There's a very low – well, it's – reductive and silly to blame things on the internet um but unfortunately i I, in this instance i think the larger thrust in the last 20 years of of uh of this means of communication Mm -hmm. is that it at its core what people do on the internet i'm not talking about you know media companies that publish stories or, or 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 even you know commerce like Amazon and things like that. I'm not talking about the actual, you know, the the, the clear-cut financial transactions that take place online, where the, the portion of the internet that is very clearly a marketplace. I'm talking about all the ways in which we interact with each other, social media, Facebook. Before that, IRL chat rooms, AOL chat rooms. All the way the ways in which the internet is purely a way for you to talk to other people. Strangers, often, friends, relatives, doesn't matter. That portion of the internet to me, the biggest, and this is in no way my original idea, I'm sure it's been said before and far better by people far smarter and better than me, is that what the internet asks you to do by the, by purely by the construct of how it functions as a means of communication is you create, you become an advertising for yourself. What you do, what people do online is they are transforming themselves into a kind of a brand. Mm -hmm. What is the image of yourself that you – because by definition, because you're interacting with strangers for whatever percentage of the time or even with friends and relatives, because you are doing that, you are always putting putting out – and because it is public – you are always crafting and selling an image of yourself that you would like the world to see. Now, we do that in our everyday one-to-one communications, too. Like, you're hanging out in a, you know, in a bar watching a Tennessee Volunteers football game mm. or whatever, and you're not going to let all of your worst neuroses <laughs> spill out onto the countertop. You're not going to get into your deepest, darkest secrets. You're going to have a friendly image. You're going to try to dress well. Well, it depends on the time. Present. Is it 2 a.m. at yeah. this point? <laughs> right, right, right. But you are, you know, it, but, but there's also the notion that whatever you do and say in that one-to-one or even group interaction will eventually fade. There yeah. is no record of it. But the internet, as everyone knows, is forever. So what you, by definition, what people do is they advertise themselves. You become your own PR factory. And so, yeah, I think it's not surprising to me that people who, you know, are digitally native to this and who grew up marinating in this, that they see themselves, but that, that of course their first instinct is to portray themselves as living a lifestyle of the rich and famous. Of yeah. course their first instinct is to say that they're succeeding beyond their own wildest dreams. Because what what is the value then in saying, well, I just got out of school, I'm 
diddling around in some dead end job and I don't know what to do. And, uh, but, uh, here are my, uh, top five TV shows for the month of October. You know, there's no, mm-hmm. there's no payback for that. Right. Whereas selling yourself as being beautiful, successful, uh, well, you know, mildly famous, whatever, there is actual upside to that. It is shallow and vain and creates a world of lies. So mm-hmm. there's a huge colossal societal downside as well. Right. But on an individuated basis, of course people are going to do that. But I don't think it's a question of saying like, oh, well, Gary V told me about hustle culture and now I'm following his dictum. So I'm doing that. I think by definition, the Internet becoming the dominant mode of communication for people necessarily leads to this kind of thing. Yeah. So it's I, I just not it's Look. so bad because there's just so many young kids who see like I don't know how we we put this back in back in the bottle. Right. Like, I think the this is just out going back in the tube, man. Yeah, that's it. This is it. We, we, we need to figure out how to modulate and make it better. But it's not I don't think it's solvable. It would be like asking people suddenly to turn like to to chuck out their phones and start screaming out the window to one another when they want to talk in 1975. It, it's just you, you can't do it. Yeah, it can't be done. Like it is the dominant mode of communication globally, and so that's that's that you. I mean, barring some some alien dropping down and 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 turning off internet for us, I don't see how it's going to happen. No. Um, but figuring out how to do it. I mean, well, look. <laughs> for me, the problem is capitalism, but that's a question for another day. Um. It's uh, I think if you if you place people's priorities and self-worth away from something having to do with commerce and wealth, it might change. But that's a longer project, I think, and one that has never succeeded ever. (laughs) So, you know, we're going to pause here for for a message from our sponsors. sponsors! (laughs) We'll be right back. All right, we are back on the Sports Reporters Assembling Saturday edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am still joined by Robert Silverman of The Daily Beast. Go subscribe to The Daily Beast if you have not already done so. Yes, Bob? Uh, Yeah, I know. I'm still here. You are still here. I go nowhere, man. I'm like, (sighs) all right, what next? (laughs) What's next on the agenda? Are there more things in the document? I didn't read that. I know. I already read the Defector blog, so mm-hmm. I just had to review it. Mm-hmm. Albert Perneco is a good blogger. I he is. His blogs are quite good. You know the best? Uh, I still, like, my favorite writer, I still, like, my favorite sports writer, I should qualify, is still Ray Ratto. Huh. Like, I would read anything that man writes. He cracks me up, and he is, I wish <laughs> I could write like him. I wish I could write like him. He is so good. I wish I could write like him. He's a... He's 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 feisty and salty. Yes, he's mad about things. But it it it's just good. It's so biting and so good. And I just I don't know. I I love Verrata. Um, uh, I think he weighed in on the uh, the latest fallout from the Washington football team massive treasure trove of inf- like evidently the Jeff. I didn't even see this last night, mm-hmm. but Jeff Pash, the NFL's preferred counsel at mm-hmm. Slack, got caught up. Hooters. Yeah. <laughs> getting 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 specialty Hooters tickets or something. I didn't even I missed I didn't read through the whole thing. 
thing. But the idea that the NFL's council would serve the interests first and foremost of the owners is again, it's one of those things where like my favorite thing about, you know, John Gruden being a cretin is the big revelation or uh uh, the people uh, telling Adam on themselves Adam, online. Adam Schefter <laughs> suddenly revealing that, like, actually, he's just uh, a stenographer for various power interests. It's like, yeah, that's all anyone who's been paying attention to professional football mm-hmm. for the last, I don't know, let's say 25 years is not going to be surprised by a single thing that comes out of that. But it is really nice to just see it in print where you can go, oh, yeah. Those those guys, um, they serve at the interests of the wealthy and the powerful. I yes. Mean, look, and, and and Ratto, I bring this up because Ratto wrote something this morning where he said, like, look, the point of the NFL is to enrich the thirty-two people who that, that own the teams, or mm-hmm. to conglomerate slash people that that own these teams. The fact that the games exist at all is almost irrelevant. The, the games are just basically how they funnel the money in and they care about absolutely nothing else besides keeping that money flowing up the mountain to the top and that nothing else matters. Absolutely nothing. Which again, like we've seen this in, you know, scandal after scandal in the end of like the idea, which came out again in the middle of in like 2020 where, where various people were like, you know, conservatives were like i can't watch the nfl now because it's going too woke or even when they sort of you know vaguely tolerated various kneeling protests and they're like oh no the nfl's selling out to the social justice warriors i'm like they really don't they are not like it, it, you're missing the point the nfl mm-hmm. is not the nfl is not ideological i was gonna say it the nfl is the hollowest of the hollow professional sports league they all are i mean they, they are i just are. think the nfl is the biggest it, and the most hollow i still would yeah. i would say that what was the phrase that someone used oh it was it was describing the tampa bay rays and you know which have been a wildly successful major league baseball franchise relative to the amount of payroll they put out mm-hmm and I forget who, and I forget who said it, so I apologize to whoever I'm stealing from. And But they described them as uh, a tech startup masquerading as a pro sports team, mm-hmm. which is absolutely true. Like, it, yes, they have maximized all manner of, ineffic- manner of inefficiencies in the margins and used it to achieve wild success while uh, keeping costs down. That is the definition of what, like, and they achieved a fairly successful product considering all that what is not a successful product though for the tampa bay rays which gets back to the same things that are in that aussie article is if you are a person living in tampa and i'm really sorry if that's where you've ended up whoa whoa why did tampa bay residents catch a stray from bob silverman tonight what what leave them alone people live where they live bob all right, you're right. Fine, I got a, it's a cheap shot. I apologize to the greater Tampa. You might State retire State. in Tampa Bay one day, Bob. Mm. Snowbirds, but by the time thing. I'm ready to retire, it's going to be underwater. So, you know, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> so right. what is the underwater? Who, oh yeah, for, go ahead. For, for a youth or even a, a person of our age who is a diehard Tampa Bay Rays fan, like mm-hmm. what you may enjoy whatever success exists now, but there is no way to build any kind of identification with anyone on the Tampa Bay Rays. Mm-hmm. The value of anyone, like by the time a single Tampa Bay Ray gets close to being paid what they deserve in return for their labor, they're going to be shuttled off to 
the Red Sox or something or the Yankees or the Dodgers in exchange for three other guys whose value can be maximized and shaped and uphold and, and like, and, 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 and rung dry. So mm-hmm. like, like, you know, I'm sure rooting for Chris Archer was awesome when he was great. So the same thing for David Price, but, or, and, you know, and for all the people who were like, well, I hope Rocco Baldelli, Fred McGriff. Or, yeah. I mean, this has been a recent development. I'm just talking about the last, you know, like five years once Friedman. I mean, they kept over. Evan Longoria for a long time. They did keep Longoria they around. They did keep Longoria around, but like, I mean, think like Wander Franco. Okay, mm-hmm. unless they can pull an Atlanta Braves and convince him to take some insanely stupid long-term sub-market. Oh deal. man, I still like if you want to get on some Braves fans' bad sides, like bring that up of like. But we we all understand it was unethical what happened here, right? Like we all understand yes. like this is wrong, and they're like, yes. "Well, we saved money," and it's like, "No, no, 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 this was wrong. Like this is unethical. Like it made me feel Do uncomfortable when like it happened Juan in the moment." Cunha and Ozzy Albies. Do you like them? Do you like watching them? Mm. Great. Realize that the team that pays their salaries absolutely hosed them, and that by cheering on that submarket deal, you are in fact encouraging the Braves to do that again whenever the opportunity arises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but okay, so Wander Franco. If you're a 12-year-old kid who suddenly thinks Wander Franco, who who, who decides that Wander Franco is their best player, he's not going to be around for more than five years, maybe six. Mm-hmm. Like, why would, why would, and again, the whole point of sports is not just, it can't just be about wins and losses and rings. It's about making money. Sense of, nah, nah, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, it's, there has to be a value beyond just, again, eking out one more, like, decimal point of wins above replacement from guy Y as opposed to guy X, or else it's just, or else you're just watching the stock ticker. You might as well just get into Bitcoin. You might as Mm -hmm. well do that because it's a more self-evident grift for, like, like, or NFTs because you're a huge fan of pump and dump schemes or money laundering. Because that's what the Tampa Bay Rays are at their core. Which naturally brings us back to your piece on Adam Schefter. Yes, I wrote a blog, everyone, on Adam Schefter. Um, there's a lot about Adam Schefter that, you know, Adam Schefter, this is not the, again, for those unfamiliar, Adam Schefter committed what is a fireable offense in many media companies, which is that he sent the entire article to a unnamed source for review prior to publication. And that source was Bruce Allen, who was then the general manager of the Washington football team. It's like, that gets people fired. You don't do that. And this isn't, you know, some very high-minded ivory tower J school remnant. It's because, you know, look, anytime you write a story that is dealing with sources both on and off the record, or on, on the record and anonymous, those sources have agendas. And, and I say this, and I say this to people, you know, when I say this when I've talked to sources, which is like, look, I know you're talking because you have a desired result. Sometimes that desired result is noble. Sometimes that desired result is entirely selfish on the part of the source. But people don't talk. People talk because they have a vested interest in doing so. My only job is to determine if what they're saying is true. The motivations are important. And if I feel like they are doing it out of some, you know, uh, sense of like 
spite or vengeance or whatever, it's going to, you know, call into question what they're saying. Absolutely. But the, when people talk, they have an interest. So the reason why you don't talk, why you don't let that person decide what's in your article is because your job is not to promote that source's interests. Your choice is to take all of the things that sources say and all of the research you do and all the information you have, put that together in a hopper and come to the closest approximation of the truth there is. And if you let the source do it, well, they're going to torque that in ways that benefit them. So that's why you don't do that. Um, but Schefter, you know, look, this is no slight on the amount of work that Schefter does. His schedule is quite difficult. I, w I could not keep up with him, no matter how many millions you paid me. I could not do it. I wouldn't. It doesn't care seem fun. Like that job, him, Shams, Woj, all these jobs seem it's awful. A twenty-four-seven grind. They work incredibly hard. But in addition to the amount of actual work and hours they have to put in, you have to just kiss up to the worst possible people imaginable, mm -hmm. like Washington Football Team, then General Manager Bruce Allen. Like you have to. You have to make those people and, and you know know that you are there to be their mouthpiece if they need it, so that they give you the kind of things that you can tweet out about you know the quarterback's arm being turned into hamburger and probably not suiting up this week. That's would you have a problem with what he does and what he's continued to do if he worked for the NFL Network, like NFL Media? I mean, I, I don't have a problem with what he does. When he crosses lines, like, mm -hmm. let me just, like, the entire, I mean, do I have a problem with it? That's a tough question. Like, when he does things like allow a source to rewrite his, like, edit to vet his copy, yeah, mm -hmm. I got a problem with that. When he does things like invest in a gambling company where there's a clear conflict of interest about the subject he's, he's supposed to be covering and where he's getting paid, that I have a problem with. When mm -hmm. he does things like, you know, get put on the board of a feeder league to the NFL because who knows, it might chisel out another source or two. That I have a problem with. Here, the the, the, the place where it gets into a tricky situation is like, I read all of those like late-breaking, you know, scoop stories. I read the Woj bombs. I, I get the updates from, you know, Ken Rosenthal and all those people. I consume that product. So if I really had a problem with it, I could simply mute all those guys and find out about what happened two minutes later when the team issues a press release. Mm -hmm. But I don't. I'm not sure if there's a way to do the job as it currently exists without getting incredibly, like, getting too friendly with power. I think it's fine, though. Honestly, I think as long as people don't say, well, he's a reporter... That he's a he does PR. For that's the what NFL. I was gonna say. Is like that's what I'm saying, and that was my broader point of just like if he just yeah. was working for NFL well, digital he, media. He, the, the ESPN, yeah, part of ESPN's job is to promote the National Football League. Mm, yeah, they are a broadcast partner of the National Football League. They make more money if the NFL is more popular, or the NHL, or Major League Baseball, you know, or the NBA, or any number of the leagues that they broadcast. Those leagues succeeding is in their best of interest. There is a mutual interest there. So that is, I mean, and I mentioned this in the article, which is that this has been at the core of the issue for ESPN or CBS or Fox or NBC or any, any uh, institution that exists to both broadcast and promote sports leagues, but also wants to have a 
a vertical or a section of its company whose job it is to also aggressively cover those leagues, sometimes in a way that is adversary, sometimes in a way that will cause those leagues shame or financial harm even. And how you do both without one compromising the other, well, that's sort of been the problem with ESPN from the jump, or as soon as they started acquiring those broadcast rights and simultaneously decided they were going to get into prestige, glossy mag, journalism type stuff, that became a tension that I don't think is necessarily resolvable. So, you know, look, Adam Schefter, no one expects, to put it in a similar way, no one expects Tony Romo to do breaking news that's going to hurt the Cowboys, right? But Tony Romo is an excellent color commentator and analyst. I enjoy watching Tony Romo. I think it's okay to enjoy watching Tony Romo. There's nothing wrong with that. Tony Romo's job is to analyze and promote the NFL. That's Schefter's job also. So I think as long as you just don't think that he's, you know, you know, calling them scoops or woes bombs or whatever, it's, that's the sort of category mistake. It's a, it's advertising. And, it, and advertising is also not an easy job. It is difficult to do well. And when it's done well, I think it's worth promoting. It's just, you know, it's well compensated. And sometimes it requires a certain degree of, you know, requires you to do some, some to get your feet wet, feet dirty. Hands dirty. Hands dirty and feet wet. It leaves you dirty and wet. That's not a good combination. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a long-winded, long-form long itself way of saying. I just don't think, you know, if you are if you like reading Schefter's news updates because you want to place a wager or because you're worried about who to start in daily fantasy sports, that's entirely fine. I know I do it. I would be a massive hypocrite if I said I didn't do that. Um and, and my, my, my fantasy team is in real trouble. Are we getting to fantasy sports minute yet? I want to talk about the issues with my fantasy football league team. Oh, yeah, this is this is the fantasy football oh, minute. Kamara has been underperforming. Oh, okay. Happy. Okay, I didn't know this was the slander former Tennessee greats portion uh-huh. of the podcast. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. Possibly the worst good fantasy player starting QB since Blake Bortles. <laughs> but he's actually good. No, Blake Bortles is, no. was never good. No, Hertz is yeah, good. I, no, no, no. Hertz no. wasn't the problem last night. He had some good throws. Moving down the pocket, there was just no did one he, open. Did he? Yeah, he did. did. He have some good throws. Yeah. He had the two point conversion. He, he had that to Rager down the left, office. the left side, deep early. I don't know. He didn't really have a lot that, of that, lot to work with. He underthrew, so it resulted in a pass interference. And the other throw, the result of pass interference. He had one. Really nice throw to, to Devonta Smith over the middle. And aside from that, I was royally unimpressed. Mm. But at the same time, I was quite thankful at the uh, 24 fantasy points that I got from his starting effort because he scooted for two touchdowns on the ground. Mm. Like if anybody thought that, that – no, let, let's put it this way. Nobody thought that Jalen Hurts was going to win a duel with Tom Brady in that game regardless of how, how – uh, what kind of effort the Philadelphia Eagles defense put forth. Stephen A. had a strong take about why Zach Ertz was such a great move for the Cardinals today. And I was, I was thinking... He's, um, a, he's a kind of washed tight end. I'm not exactly sure why that's so valuable. What did no, I mean, say? basically Max Williams got knocked out for the year last week for oh, the Cardinals. Oh, he did. I didn't notice that. So and it was... The, Dan Arnold. 
and people were just like, oh, they're loading up. It's like, well, no, they're just they're, filling they a got hole. A replacement level tight yeah, like that, that's not loading up. This is not an example Roger, of the Cardinals Roger loading Sherman up. Sherman mentioned this on Twitter. I mm-hmm. think the real problem is that they're splitting up the rhyming QB tight end combos. <laughs> like they broke up, they broke up Arnold and Darnold, and now mm-hmm. we're losing Hertz and Ertz. <laughs> because that kind of rhythmic. Mm-hmm. Uh, synergy is too powerful for the NFL to handle, so they, it had to be done away with. Good tweet, Roger. Good one. Your pick of the week, Bob. Uh, I, I won't mention the uh, adult video survey that uh, <laughs> preferences in Tennessee. Um, Wasn't that uh, proven to be false? That Kevin James was not actually All the lead search? All of those search? are false. All of those the most popular. That is Twitter engagement bait. Mm. Instagram engagement bait. I don't know because I don't look at Instagram that much. But they're always based on the world's shoddiest data methodology. Pay no attention to that. They want you to get mad about that. They want people in Tennessee to get mad about the fact that they're looking up erotic images of Kevin James, which they're not. (laughs) I wasn't mad. I understood. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't do that. Never. (laughs) I don't. I don't. No. No. No one's saying you are. Mm -hmm. We're in agreement. Um, My pick of the week is... (laughs) I'm excited for my uh, what I'm going to be doing Sunday night. Mm. Hunker down okay. in front of the TV mm-hmm. uh, with my subscription to HBO Now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you can probably guess which show I'm talking about. I don't, actually. HBO Now or HBO dun, Max? Dun, 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 dun. What is that? Succession. It's the oh. Succession. Season kicks off on Sunday. I've never watched it. Is it good? Who will get a kiss from Daddy? <laughs> it's an outstanding show. It's an outstanding show about, um, let us say, uh, a rapaciously capitalistic family uh, eating each other alive. I like it. I like it. Mm, I might watch this. I, I, I need I, to add I, it to the list. I said this, I was explaining this also not to make the, my significant other the focus of this pod or anything like that, but we were discussing... You're this. really trying and to get her to, to tune into the pod. You're going to be like, hey, I, I talked I, about I, you a lot this week. You should check I, it out. Well, uh, it, it is my theory that there are actually only about four different kinds of TV shows, and they all fit into one broad category. Okay. Well, number one is Copaganda, <laughs> uh, which covers everything from, say, you know... Strays for Blue Bloods over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue Bloods, CBS Procedurals, CSI. Mark Harmon just left, uh, though. NCIS after 18 years. I Yeah, I did, I've never actually sat the entire <laughs> one. Bones counts under this. Law and order. Every police... I mean, if you want to get really deep into the into the weeds here, the, the Avengers is copaganda. But mm. that aside, uh, copaganda is one. Uh, Problematic Men is another uh, version of show that is quite popular. Mm-hmm. Your Breaking Bads, your Wires, your Sopranos is, is basically all the shows built around an antihero. You know, The Shield uh, shows about people who commit hor- you know horrible crimes, but are also sort of charming, and you watch other horrible crimes play out. It's 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 connected to propaganda because by definition, all of the problematic men are dealing with the cops. Um, and the third one is uh, sexy white people with issues. Mm. Uh, and Succession, of course, is a sexy white people with issues shows and a problematic men show. Hmm. You will have occasionally diverse shows which fall outside of this rubric. Uh, we can also talk, you know, 
family-based sitcoms is another largely broad category, um, which, again, can accommodate a wider and more diverse array of programming than the sexy white people with issues shows and or the problematic men's or the copaganda. But um, those are the, the those are the four main ones, and they all, to some degree, fall in that category. But Succession is a very, very fun and enjoyable sexy white issue slash problematic men show. Hmm. Which I, and, I lo- and I like it, and I'm excited to watch. Wait, so where does my pick of the week, Midnight Mass, fall in this? I have not seen it. Is that a It's very show? good. You would like it. What's it about? Well, I can't really spoil it, because like if I okay. go into details, like it's just a... Does I mean, it involve Rosamund Pike at all, in any way? No. No. Okay. No, but it's 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 quite good. If you liked, have you did you ever see Hereditary? No, that uh, uh, I'm not a big horror guy. Okay, well, it's not really horror. It's more about like what humans are capable of um, when they become when they fall victim to uh, religious zealotry and just kind of uh, sounds to me like a problematic men's show. Mm, problematic people show. Oh, yeah. Oh, how very. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would recommend it. It's very good. It's very good. Um, we just wrapped it up this week, so we gotta maybe we'll add Succession to to what's next. Um, it's it's a, it, there's a lot of lore, so it may be tough to pick up in the middle of season three. No, I mean um, we'll even yeah. start from the beginning. Yeah, uh, it's look. It is not. It is not a prestige type show. It is a soap opera. Deep. It is a. It is absolutely operates on the beats of a soap opera, um, and there's nothing wrong with soap operas. They're quite enjoyable and popular for a reason. It is a fairly well. It's a well written, occasionally ridiculously crafted soap opera, and well acted also. Generally very well performed. Quite ridiculous at times and melodramatic as hell. But you know. If you like soap operas, if you enjoyed Dynasty in Dallas before you were born, mm. that kind of thing, it's it, that those are the beats that it is. I was more it of a Matlock a, guy. Yeah, it is an updated the copaganda. It is an updated <laughs> version. Matlock is copaganda. It's not. Yes, it is. No, no, leave Matlock alone. What about Andy Griffith show? The Andy Griffith show is a sitcom. Okay. The familial sitcom. Mm. The familial sitcom which includes both office-based and actual sort of home-setting leave-it-to-beaver types. It's about mm. a normalization of the nuclear family unit, the normalization of the Judeo-Christian family unit as being the dominant and good form of, uh, of sociological um, um, interaction. That's, mm. what the, that's the norm that that reinforces. Like the office. The office does that as well. Or Cheers. Or any of those. They are about... They're about the, they're about the, they're about promoting that all, all at the same time. Uh, King of Queens, mm. is that, yeah, that as well. Mm. Just, to, just to hit some familiar notes for you. Um, but yes, Succession is a slightly more, slightly more updated, more uh, slinging veep and or the thick of it type insults at each other version of Dynasty or Dallas. But you know, like I said, people love those shows. The the entire country wanted to know who shot Jr. back in the day. Hmm. Bob Silverman. We can find you on Twitter yeah. at Bob Sayeta. Read you in the Daily Beast. So go subscribe to the Daily Beast if you have not already done so. Uh, Bob, I will talk to you and hopefully Andrew next week. Sounds good, man. I'll be here.
right, the Atlanta sports guys, we are back because it is Saturday on the Chase Thomas podcast where new episodes of the Atlanta sports guys pop up on this feed along with sports reporters assemble. I'm here as I am every Saturday by fellow Atlanta sports guys, Max Markovich, firmly cemented into that number one status. Max, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good afternoon. Happy, happy Saturday. Mm, happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. Also here. I guess the the strong number two, the man who has gone to more Atlanta sports games this year than Max and I in our entire lives. Uh, Garrett Chapman is here. Garrett, how are you, sir? I'm fantastic. I just bought tickets for game three, game two, so uh, feeling even better. Did you really? Oh yeah. No, as soon as they dropped, I was like, I I just sort of like made an executive decision. My girlfriend and I were just like, you know, screw it. We're just gonna go. We're gonna go. I bought the cheapest one possible. And I'm gonna go stand in the chop house and have a great, uh, great time. I'm, I'm really excited. How, how does that I'm work? Because mm-hmm. I'm in Athens. I'm in Athens on Saturday, so I'm like, all right, so that that won't work. So <laughs> I was trying to make, I was trying to think through it, man. Are you going to the but, game on Saturday uh, too? No, I did not swing those. Those are a little out of my price range, unfortunately. I mm. think those, those are up to, I think the cheapest seats that I could find were like a hundred. Forty dollars a piece, and I'm. I think that's just that's before fees and everything. So, um, not great, not great. No, and it's not worth it. Considering you're favored by twenty, is the over under right now twenty? It's pretty high. It's pretty high. So it's it's like, but she went to she went to Kentucky. So I'm gonna we're we're uh, we're gonna have a great time. Okay. Yeah. Little rock. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But it'll be fun. She's never been to Athens, so it'll be it'll be a great time. Never been to Athens. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. It'll be fun. There you go. Uh, but, who does Michigan uh, play this weekend, Max? Michigan's got a huge game against Bye. Oh, that's right. That's right. The, the, Although, the... I, I seem to recall every single week we get on here and, and you declare it the week Michigan's going to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I should take a moment to say what a gutty win for, for the University of Michigan Wolverines <laughs> last week on the road. 6 Look, no, going to the I bye. will say it was. It was a gutsy win. It was good. I it was really impressed. Was. It was a. I was. It was an impressive win. I will give you that, Max Markovich. It was an impressive win. Both of our teams are are rolling uh, at the moment. Um, it's it's pretty solid. It's it's pretty solid, and I I'm excited for Saturday night. But what I'm not excited for, fellas, is that uh, Tennessee and the Atlanta Braves are playing at the same time on Saturday night, which um, I I just. I don't like it. It, it. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I haven't decided how I'm going to handle this. It's the year 2021. You could get two screens going. See, I'm an anti-two screen guy. This is the problem. I know you are, but this is a this is, an, this is a special occasion. Yeah, it's a unique situation where whew, I might have to. I might have to go to the laptop on one and the, the TV. Now, what would y'all do? Would you put the Braves on the main TV or would you put the... the like, which one would you do? Would you do Tennessee on the main TV or the Braves? Well, the fireworks are definitely going to come from Ole Miss and Tennessee, right? So mm-hmm. that's a race. Yeah. The over-under is 82. 82. Jesus Christ. Over. No, neither of these defenses are worth a half damn, and both of these offenses are top five in the SEC. So this is going to be a fun I, – I was actually putting together my rundown for uh, for tomorrow morning for our college football game time show that I do at uh, 92.9, and it was like, it was like just the race to 50. That's it. <laughs> because – these guys are going to be it's going to be fireworks all day mm-hmm. they're going to be fireworks outside of the stadium too because they uh, encouraged a hostile environment for lane kiffin's return so 
downtown Knoxville, folks, uh, I would encourage you to stay away because Saturday night is going to be arrest central. Um, it's supposed to rain. That's the reason I'm not like, so I, I'm not going to this because I didn't want to go by myself because uh, we would have had to get tickets for the, the sports renaissance women to also go. And I was like, I don't really want to use my free ticket to go by myself, sit in the rain in this crazy environment with the Braves playing too. I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm going to watch this one in the confines of, of my home here and uh, just enjoy the Braves and the balls separately. And I just, I am curious at how disastrous knoxville is on saturday like people are going to be able to tailgate from 7 a.m to 7 p.m it is going to be incredible and the amount of old miss fans making the trip it's just i don't even want to begin i mean look shout out to the the vol squirrel i'll miss him on saturday but uh outside of that i don't know it seems like a, a good stay away option because it is just going to be like i just hope hodges the library is still open on sunday so i can finish up some homework that's that's really what i would hope that it does not fall depending on how the game goes on saturday but i'm excited this is just going to be so sneaky, much fun sneaky huge game for hypel uh, i think it's a bigger game for kiffin i think they need this more than yeah. the vols do right now i i, I mean I, i'd pick Ole miss to win this game but the thing is it's mm. like Tennessee, man. Tennessee seems like one of those teams that's like, if you aren't 100% ready to go in there, they will they will dump some points on you. Um, We're the best so first quarter team in the country. Football. This just sounds like a perfect game to go to. But, I mean, I don't know. That's just me, though. It's going to be rainy, chilly, and the Braves are on, too. I don't know. It's just a lot, lot in play yeah. there. A lot in play. I think the bigger game for Heupel this year is the Kentucky game um, after this, on the road in Lexington. Because if they win that... That is yeah, a much bigger this, win. This feels more gettable, yes. in my opinion. Oh, you think I mean, this, this feels is, more gettable than Kentucky? No, I yeah, would say Kentucky yeah, for on sure. The road, yeah, no, the spread's two and a half. That, that mm-hmm. tells you like Vegas kind of has a feeling here. Okay, that Tennessee can take care of business at home. I, 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 I don't disagree. I like Tennessee here. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. But uh, we shall see. We shall see. I'm not going to get too too involved there. But then we still have Georgia and Alabama on the calendar in the next month. So that's going to be fun, um, guys. We've been wondering when Kyle Pitts was going to start making some moves, when Arthur Smith and Matt Ryan company were going to start targeting their first round pick. This coming from PFF's Mike Renner, friend of the show. Um, Quote, he's now on pace to go for 1,047 yards as a rookie, which would put him right in the range of Mike Ditka's rookie tight end record of 1,000 76 yards um what did you make of Pitt's coming out party over the weekend and uh do you think this is something that we should just expect for for the rest of the season that kyle pitts is going to be a target machine max yeah i mean all it took was every single receiver on the roster <laughs> not, not play no i'm kidding I, I i do i think this is a lot more in line with the kyle pitts we're going to see i think we probably should take arthur smith at his word when he kept saying they're bringing him along they're bringing him along and sort of unleashed him when he's ready um, and I think it's it's actually sort of a, a bit of a metaphor, like sort of a parallel um, track to how this offense is, um, like the tra- trajectory the offense is on generally, mm. um, which is we, we've talked about, like, when can we get worried about Arthur Smith? Um, and is it fair at all to get worried about Arthur Smith? And I think, you know, it was the Jets. Um, and we, before that, it was Washington. And um, but but I think we're seeing sort of an upward trajectory that we would like to see from a first year offensive head coach like that. And I think Matt Ryan has been much better. 
Um, Pitts is growing into his role. Cordell Patterson's the best player in the NFL. Mm. Um, I think <laughs> I think this is a lot more in line with the team that I expected to see this year, which is probably like a seven or eight win team. Mm-hmm. Um, but the signs from the offense are really good, and Pitts is sort of. Um, a bellwether for for the trajectory there, which is I think I think he's going to continue it. I I do take a lot of those tight end records with a grain of salt because it's like what was the tight end position before like Tony Gonzalez really? Um, so if he breaks that record, yeah, it'll be cool. But I don't think it's like means he's suddenly going to be the goat or anything. Um, but that's a little bit beside the point. I do think Pitts is going to be a one A one B focal point if if we ever get Kellen Ridley back uh, of the offense going forward. Um, and I think that's a really good thing. Garrett, what do you think? Well, I'm also just taking a look. I went to StatMuse just to check out what the uh, the records look like, like with, with like the top ten, top fifteen for the receiving records for rookies mm-hmm. at tight end. And truth be told, like he, if he's not top ten by like week seven or no, excuse me, week uh, like what week nine or something, like then I don't think <laughs> that I don't. I have no idea what Arthur Smith is doing. I mean, like, cause, I mean, look at this. Five, like, if he cracks six hundred, he's already top ten pretty much. Um, so Where I think does OJ Santiago play. fall on this list? Let me see. Reggie Kelly, Michael Palmer, I'm listing all kinds of great. We got Pitts mm. for one, at, uh, and that's, but that's almost since 1961. I mean, mm. and you got Jeremy Shelley, like I mean, oh, like, that like there are, there's some impressive names on this list, and like he's going to be in with good company. Um, but I, I fully expect him to be in that seven eight. 800 yard range, especially if Calvin Ridley is continuing to stay out. Russell Gage continues to stay out. Um, I mean, look, we were, I, I was listening to um, the station yesterday and you know, they were saying like, there's a lot of speculation as like what's going on with Calvin Ridley. I mean, I'm getting a little bit more and more concerned. Like the, the more we go on, the less information that we get for this. It's like, is he going to be on this roster November 3rd? Um, it just, I, I see a very realistic possibility that he does get traded. I think we talked about this last week, but um, if he does get traded, I mean, Calpit, I mean, records don't matter all that much necessarily, but it's like he would certainly beat this record because, like Max said, like, he is the mouth to feed. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Tim is what, Cordell Patterson, I guess. But I, I think he's definitely going to break this record. I think it's uh, – but it's a sign of, of good things because he, he's – He's a guy who we need to continue to feature in this offense. He's one of the best offense, one of the best players on this football team. And when he does well, I think the team does well. Uh, my biggest concern, though, it was illustrated in this Jets game is, look, this defense just—it's not closing very effectively. It's just—it's not doing the little things right. Yes, they finally got an interception. Um, that was great, uh, but really, all in all, like this defense is a little bit concerning. Uh, Dean Pease hasn't necessarily been all that great necessarily, and he's—I he's, feel like he spent more time calling out the media than he has uh, getting his defense ready to play. I mean, like, come on. Like, you can't give up that many points if it gets the Jets. Uh, but, look, I mean, I think this team is, like like Max said, like eight, seven, eight wins. I think they're well on that pace. Uh, I think that's achievable. Um, and if Kyle Pitts hits that 1,000-yard threshold, then I, I think that's perfectly possible. And I think I think even more than the numbers with Pitts um... – is is the way they're they're starting to use him um and like the touchdown he scored like that is a touchdown i feel like we can see him like that that exact route from that exact position against that exact type of player is a touchdown we're going to be able to see from him over the next decade and so that's exciting and and the post route that clinched the game um where he just like dusts a corner and then take carries the safety mm-hmm. it doesn't matter um like that's that's stuff tight ends can't do like darren waller 
that's kind of it. Um, I mean, Kelsey, whatever. But the point being, like, I don't even – these tight end records and these tight end numbers don't mean anything because Kyle Pitts is so different from so many tight ends that have come out of the league. And his over-under for yards, I think, was 800 coming into the year. Mm-hmm. I would be I would be stunned if he doesn't go over that. Um, like, really, really stunned. I, I, I did bet it at the beginning of the year, Ooh. so I am biased. But I do you have any I'd other preseason if you get to a thousand? Did you make any other Falcons preseason bets? No, no. Okay. I just thought that number was low, and because and they because they they set those numbers based on like precedents from tight ends mostly, mm-hmm. and it's like it's a little bit of a different case. Um, yeah, I don't know if we want to get into the Ridley stuff because we we still have not heard anything about any of that. Have we? Yeah. But I think to really okay, so like when you look at just the wide receiver talent and like Justin Jefferson right away, Jamar Chase being the winning rookie of the year uh, this year, Devontae Smith, what he has done. Um, you look up and down the list. It's like if there was ever a situation where you're like, okay, yeah, it, it if this is it for Calvin Ridley, that like it's not it's not a bummer because like the Falcons are not. It would be much more of a problem if Julio was still in this group and we were still going for. A Super Bowl run like this would be a bad bad look and this would be a lot more uh, of a problem I think it's a real, I it's a real problem well, like, I mean if, if I mean I think we're taking it first of all I think we're taking it a step beyond what we know right now mm-hmm. um, like, I, I, there's, we've, we've give, been given no reason to think that the Falcons are going to trade Calvin Ridley um, other than you know trying to connect a few loose dots mm-hmm. and I, but, but I do think it's a problem I mean this offense is without Calvin Ridley is is what it's our two running backs yeah and it's Kyle Pitts and and Matt Ryan has looked a lot better and I think we should talk about that um but like there's not much to work with beyond that Russell Gage when he's played has not been a wide receiver too in any real capacity this year um all those other guys are kind of just gadget guys Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's Cordero Patterson and it's Kyle Pitts and then it's Mike Davis running the ball I don't disagree with that. I guess what I'm saying is it's not about like, I understand like the, the week to week problems of not having Calvin Ridley and what that poses for this offense and Matt Ryan. But what I'm saying is on a, on a larger scale, um, really not being a part of the season because they're not playing for anything. They're playing for eight to nine wins, seven wins, whatever it is. They're not playing for, for the same thing that the bucks are playing for this year. So yeah, it would help Matt Ryan. And it feels like a wasted prime year for, uh, for Matt Ryan, but at the same time, if Pitts is still developing and you look around the league and just, you can replace Calvin Ridley pretty easily. Like you can, we, we could find a replacement next year in the first round of the draft and it would just be, and they would contribute right away. Like right away. We're just seeing that across the board. We really got to replenish the talent on defense before we do any of that. Like that's true. That's kind of the thing is like you have, they're going to have resources, but you still have finite resources. And Mm -hmm. Calvin Ridley is when healthy, one of the, 10 ish best receivers in the NFL, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that's certainly they could replace him. That's kind of what they did with Ridley, Ridley replacing Julio eventually, but that requires spending like premium capital that like we don't, we can't afford to use after we spent the fourth pick on a tight end this year. Um, and like we're talking about the defense, like I, I don't fault DMPs for anything. Like I, I did this defense, the talent on this defense is so drained. Like, this is a really, really bad defensive roster. And so anything better than, like, you know, 30th in defensive DVOA this year is, like, probably a win given the roster. Mm. Garrett, what do you think? Uh, 
I don't know. I, I just had expectations of DNPs coming in and doing at least a little bit better than what we're seeing right now. I mean, I want to be better than 26 in the NFL in sacks. You know, I mean, like, I get this. I, I you are correct. Like this, this defense is devoid of talent. Like when you go out and you have to go have like stopgap safeties that you have to go grab on one-year deals. Like that's not a good sign for your defense. Um, but it's just it's just disappointing. It's just disappointing. Um, my hope was that we were going to have maybe like a 20th ranked defense, but that's just seeming more and more kind of foolish to think. Uh, but I don't know. The schedule is going to get tougher, and I think this defense is only going to be it, – it's only going to get more and more exposed. I just haven't seen the week-to-week improvements necessarily um, that I really hope to. Yeah. Um NLCS predictions, guys. So the Braves officially made the NLCS thanks to Freddie Freeman launching an eighth run, eighth inning homer. Uh, if you have not already, go check out uh, Ben Ingram and, and Joe Simpson's call reaction on video to that friend of the program, Ben Ingram, um, about that. But uh, off Josh Hader, it was it was pretty miraculous. This has just been great run. So Lair's absence uh, ultimately did not do in the Braves as we. <laughs> joked about like oh of course this would be a, a very in atlanta ending um here i was hoping we would get the giants um who were eliminated last night thanks to a, a blown check swing call um if there's one thing we love in professional sports uh, it's when the officials and the umpires get uh, get to be a big part of the game and uh yeah so we get the dodgers again folks and i don't feel great about it uh, i think this is a bad matchup. The Dodgers are a better team on paper. Uh, they're obviously the defending champs, and we know how last year ended. I am not one of those people who are like, oh, I love the challenge. Let's rise up and uh, avenge last season. No, give me give me Logan Webb. Give me Kevin Gausman. Uh, give, me, uh, give me what the Giants are throwing out there, actually. Let me just avoid the Dodgers altogether, actually. Um, but that does not happen. The Dodgers are favored to win this series. I would be pretty, 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 pretty floored if the Braves did it and pulled it off. But that being said, this is fun. It's all like, I don't think any of us thought that this team would make the NLCS before the season. Or, I mean, I mean, just it, it's been a long year. I guess maybe not even before the season. This summer and where we were at months ago, I don't think any of us could have seen uh, an NLCS run coming. Um, but now that it's set, Braves, Dodgers, do you think it was the best situation for the Braves to get the Dodgers, or do you think it was the worst-case scenario, Garrett? I mean, look, we're talking about two teams that, that won, including the postseason, at least 109 games. So, <laughs> I mean, regardless of who came out of that series, we were not going to be favored. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, it's like, look, I mean, they don't have Clayton Sh- Claire Kershaw. They don't have uh, uh, um, uh, Bauer. They don't have Bauer. Then, I mean, like, look. It's, it's, I'm not saying that the Braves are going to be favored, but it's like we do have home, home field advantage. But I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to talk myself into it. No, I, I, this is, I mean, it's a, it's a feel good story that the Braves made it this far. I don't expect them to win this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they make it a, a competitive series, I think that's good. Um, and one of the best things about this is that they're going to be on short rest coming from the West Coast. Um, and Scherzer pitched that final inning it was a high stress inning. Uh, I think the, I mean, you have Max Free, who's pitching some of the best baseball of his life right now. I think it's a one seven four ERA since the since the All Star break. Um, Charlie Morton has shown that he's a good postseason pitcher. Ian Anderson pitched out of the, out of his damn mind 
in the postseason. Uh, and look, if we can win those three starts, if like if we can consistently win games with those three on the mound, then I would give the the Braves a, a punching chance. Um, but I'm just not 100 percent convinced that we have the star power to match up with them without Ronald Acuna and and um, like Marcelo and Uzuna, like those those guys that we lost and Soler too. So it's, I, I think it's just going to be a little bit too much. They just have so much star power. That bullpen is, is spectacular. And even on short rest, even missing those two, the $75 million worth of, worth of arms in that starting rotation, uh, it's still, they still way overmatch us on paper. Um, but we also said something along those lines last year, and they took them seven games and they should have won that series. So, I'm not going to count the Braves out yet. They've, they've proved us wrong all season long, and they have home field advantage. Um, as long as, as, as Max Free, Charlie Morton, and Ian Anderson can go out there and, and pitch good baseball the way they have been pitching, uh, then I'm going to give them a punching chance. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be very, very tough. Hmm. Max, what do you think? Yeah, I think um, I was reading Jeff Schultz's column in the, the athletic um and i thought he, he referenced the time he was talking to a, a boxing trainer before the evander holyfield uh mike tyson fight the first one um and he's and he asked him whether he's picking tyson to win and he said yeah probably but evander is, is one of those guys who you just never feel comfortable picking against so it's like yeah you know the dodgers uh, you can't not pick the dodgers in the series i think i saw garrett uh tweet out the espn thing um, where 11 of the 13 ESPN people picked the Dodgers in the series. And it's like, of course, like if you compare the series on paper, like it's not, there's no way you come to the conclusion. I don't think there's a way you can really come to the conclusion that the Braves are going to win it. Um, but like, that's not how baseball works. And like, you know, that's, like, it's possible. It's not impossible. Um, and, and I think that it's just sort of emblematic of the, of the gap between, like the the royalty in baseball, the elite, the the, the teams with insane payrolls, and kind of like everyone else, and that that's sort of why you wanted the Giants, right? Like on paper, the talent isn't the same. Um, mm. So no, I'm not not picking the Braves, but they're not a team that you want to pick against right now. Like they're playing really good baseball. Um, when Freddie hit that home run, it was kind of like just the clearest, like oh, they're just gonna they're just gonna pay him. Like they can't let him walk. Um, after, after that, after the last you know, however many years, like you don't just like let that guy walk and what he's meant to the franchise. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 a little bit of house money, but I also think saying that cheapens this accomplishment in this moment a little bit. Like, here we are again, NLCS, and sure, you're probably not supposed to win on paper, and but it's a and it's the Dodgers again. But like, this is a chance again to go to the World Series and win it. And crazier things have happened, and I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I, we're going to enjoy it, right? There's no way to not enjoy it. I think this will just be a fun ride, and I am so curious to see who steps up. Um, it's the Jock Peterson Revenge series. We can't we can't understate how important that is. The absence of Max Muncy should play a role, but um, I don't know. I think this is just... It, it's just going to be fun to go against them and just be a fan and be like, okay, like the back's against the wall. Let's see what happens here. We're not favored. It would be an upset, but uh, nothing to lose. And I don't think anybody can be upset about where the Braves have gotten to at this point. So it's not not even the pressure isn't even on to win this series. It was just enjoy and let's, let's just see what happens. And if Austin Riley can pull some more Chipper Jones throws from from third base that he pulled off in that last series. Um, I don't know. Austin Riley's emergence just continues to just baffle and discombobulate me uh, week over week because we all know how 
uh, Max and I felt about Austin Riley coming into the year. Whoa, 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 whoa. Max whoa, Markovich. Whoa. Max <laughs> underscore this Markovich. This is recorded. We could go back. <laughs> MIP, baby. Most improved player. Mm. What I said. There you go. <laughs> um, the Atlanta Hawks. Let's wrap up with the Hawks. Um, the regular season is almost here. I sent you all a tweet from Nikias Duncan, a great NBA writer for Basketball News. I'm also the host, uh, co-host of the Dunker Spots. So go check that out if you've not already. But he uh, tweeted out, if Cam Reddish's three ball is real, uh, Nate McMillan's got, <laughs> I think, I, I, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was like Nate McMillan's basically got uh, a problem on his hands. Um, Cam Reddish's preseason is uh, a delight um, as a long-term, long-time Cam Reddish defender and stan. It's been great to see. And my thing was, I don't think it's a Nate McMillan. Like, I don't think this is as big of a problem as like other people might think just because of what we talked about is the injury stuff where it's like, no, like this is okay. Like he doesn't have to make these choices now because the Hawks are still banged up and having Reddish to fill those minutes is okay right now. It's not like DeAndre and Bogey and Herder and all like everybody's a hundred percent at the moment. It's not true. So I think he will have an opportunity that he may not have had if everybody was healthy, but Reddish is uh Reddish season is here and the Hawks picked up uh, his and Hunter's option, I think today. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm excited about Reddish guys. I want to get into predictions though, that we can also speaking of things on tape. Let's, uh, let's get these on tape. Garrett, the Atlanta Hawks regular season record this season will be what? Uh, I, I pegged this team. I think I, I think I actually had this on Twitter too. I think they, I think this is a 53 win team. Mm. I think it's a 53 team. I think that's perfectly achievable. And that would peg them maybe around the what do you think, four seed, three, three, four seed, maybe. Um, I think that's adequate. I mean, they could maybe push a little bit higher, especially if you have load management uh, from other teams. Like you have, uh, Kyrie Irving, who I'm not, sh- I'm not convinced that Kyrie Irving is not going to play any play for the Nets this year. I, I just don't, I don't, I think that they're they're going to figure something out. He's going to be back and playing in a Nets uniform. Um, ben Simmons, he's going to come back and play, but it's like, eh, I don't know what, what he did the chemistry. So it's like there are a couple lingering questions for other teams that I think that if if those continue to hang over their heads, I could potentially see the Hawks rise a little bit in those in those standings. Um, but I think 53 wins, I think, is pretty much where they slot in. Okay. I don't I don't hate that. I have 51 for the record. I'm going to say 51 wins. Max, what about you? I was literally about to say 52. Oh. Which is a problem. I'm going to go 54. <laughs> Screw it. I'm going to go 54. I'm going to press 54 right wins. Um, yeah. I think, this, I think this team, I just keep saying it. I think this team is really, really, really damn good, especially as a regular season team this year. Um, and I think I think they're going to be the two seed. Um, mm. And I've, I've flirted on here with saying they're going to be the one seed. I think it's possible. I think the Bucks are the one seed. I think that the Nets are going to be the three seed. Um, and I, man, like, we also forget, and when we talked about the depth, we also forget that this is yet another short offseason. Um, and what that really means, especially for the, the Hawks, who were playing deep into the playoffs um, not that long ago. And so that that depth is going to be insanely valuable. Um, and just like I, I, I don't even see it as at all a problem at this point. Like the luxury to be able to play, you know, Trey limited minutes in some games, sit him, 
you know, sit DeAndre Hunter if you want, sit John Collins, mm-hmm. um, let Capella work his way back from injury fully. Like all of these things, they have so many options, and they're I, I don't even think probably they're the deepest team in the East. Um, and that's like that's just so as a regular season team, like this team is going to come out firing, and and I really, I really still think they're being slept on, uh, sort of nationally. Um, like this, I think it's a legitimate, especially with what's going on in Brooklyn. Like there's a non-zero chance this team is playing in the NBA Finals this year. Um, and I don't see the like. I, I think the narrative of like, oh, like playoffs was a fluke. They'll come back to to Earth is is just kind of ignoring what happened all of last year, and, and it's not based on anything empirical. So I think they're a fifty-four one team. I think the the two seed. I think the Bucks have a huge year. I think the Bucks are the one seed. Hmm. Did y'all actually speaking about like that, that depth? Did y'all watch the game yesterday or follow it at all? I did not. Saw saw clips. Yeah, same. I'm not watching a full so preseason was, game. I can't do it. Oh, I had to. So I was actually, I was running Hawk Radio Network over the studio, mm. and and so I was like following along with everything. Holy hell, Trey Young! Trey, they, they probably played like this. This is like legitimately like the this is probably the the last uh, uh, preseason game. So they they threw in their uh, their what was the probable starting lineup for next week when they're taking on the Mavericks, and these guys look absolutely just fantastic all of them do and, and the thing is like they sub guys off the floor and then you come in and you, you have absolutely no drop off uh and, and and max like you said like the depth of that like that that is such a luxury in the nba that you have no drop off pretty much anywhere as long as trey young's on the floor the team's always going to be better but um he does come off the floor it's not like you're lacking options and that screams elite in, in the nba especially like you said on a short season which actually i hadn't didn't even think about uh, um, the youth of this team and the depth that's going to be extremely valuable um, so I, I'm just really excited for the team it's, it's going to be very good think about it like this when the Hawks are fully healthy this year their second unit is going to be could be DeLon Wright at point guard um, Kevin Herter uh, Cam Reddish Danilo Gallinari and Onyeka Kongwu would that team, that team be like the, the ten seed in that the East, the nine seed? That that's a really good that's a really good five. <laughs> that's incredible. Like that, like that, that that's the playoff team in the Eastern Conference, and, and that's your two. Uh, that's your second squad. So uh, the, the depth of this team cannot be cannot be overstated, like you said. I agree. Um, most improved hawk will be who? Max Markovich. Oh man, you're putting me on the spot. <sighs> well, I, I, I'm not because it was in the rundown. I know, I know, I, know, I forgot to read it. Um, <laughs> you know, like you know, I'm just gonna say it. I don't mm-hmm. even care about the injury. Anyeka Kongu. Um, mm. I think he's gonna be a star. I think he's gonna be an NBA star at some point. And so, if I think he's gonna be an NBA star, I know he's hurt right now. I know that's really not ideal. Um, and I know that's his second injury in two years in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, watching what he did in the playoffs last year was like earth-shattering for me hmm. um he is the perfect center to play with trey young um and i think his skills fit perfectly in the modern nba and so if i think he's going to be a star i think the second year is when it happens um and it's not a, like super convenient pick just because his, even when he comes back his minutes are going to be limited he's not going to start he's probably not going to get um many shot opportunities at least at first but i just think that guy's going to be so good i i think he's eventually the second most valuable piece on this team 
Um, and I'm I'm bummed that he's hurt, but I'm really excited to see sort of what this year could be for him. Okay, I like it. That's a good pick. It's a good pick, Garrett. What about you? See, I think you're gonna pick Cam Reddish. Who me? Like are you? Yeah, so I'm assuming. I don't know why you would assume that. Does he like Cam Reddish? I was gonna say, Max. He seems a little (laughs) presumptuous here. You're you're really really uh, overstepping your bounds a little bit here, throwing that out there, and how I feel about Cam Reddish. But continue. See, I could also see it being. That's one of the crazy things is like we could all three have completely different answers, and all three are are correct answers. Hmm. That shows how much how much youth on this team and how much better they could potentially be. Uh, so I'm just gonna, you're going to say Cam Reddish. I'm going to go out go out and throw, uh, let's say, DeAndre Hunter, just because I think he's going to be healthy. I, I think that the health is going to come back around. And um, even if he doesn't play a complete season, like even if he comes out and plays 65, 70 games, I think that's going to – we're going to start seeing him get into a flow uh, if he can stay healthy. Like that's the big thing. Um, so if he stays healthy, plays 70 games or so, I think you're going to see uh, a guy who can put 18 points and play elite defense. And, and that in the modern NBA is is just absolutely invaluable. I mean, especially as a perimeter defender, I mean, the guy can do it all, and he showed that against Julius Randle in the first round of the playoffs. And I think with a full season, if he's healthy and he can actually stay in rhythm with everybody else in this offense, the sky is the limit for that guy. And and there's a reason we took him with a third overall pick. And I, I think if he can stay healthy this year, he can certainly be that guy. But then one sort of like off the wall answer could also be Trey Young. Because you have the, the, the changes yes. of the rule, right? So he's disrespected constantly. I, I see it everywhere on social media. Oh, yeah, Trey Young is going to average 13 points a game, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to sit this one out. Trey Young last night, he, he shredded the 27 points, 15, re, uh, 15 assists. I mean, the guy's a stud. I mean, the, the rule is not going to affect him, and he's going to get some respect. So, I mean, the most improved, technically, it's not – he doesn't really fall into that category. But as far as the respect category goes – I think Trey Young could be that guy too. I I, I want to butt in before um, Chase gets his his deserved soliloquy on Cam Reddish. Um, <laughs> I I don't think it's I don't think it's being talked enough about uh I don't think it's being talked enough um about the improvement Trey Young can like very easily make, and that is that he is like mechanically and in his entire life been a really really efficient three point shooter. Um, he shot 34.3% from three last year. Uh, if, the, if that number goes up, and I think that's sort of a lot about the attempts he, he takes, um, if that number goes up, like we're talking about an MVP candidate. Um, and, and I think, so I think that's a really important point, Garrett, because it's like he averaged 25 points last year, 29 points the year before, um, and he shot like basically league average from three. And he's a really good shooter. He has been his whole life, and he will be in the NBA. And so I think like, I think there's this idea that Trey Young is is like a finished product right now, and I think that couldn't be further from the truth. And so I'm I, I love that call because it's like he could legitimately be an NBA an NBA MVP at some point in his life, and he's just improved every single year. And I I, I think the shooting is like a very easy like tangible mark of where that could continue to go up. Mm. Um, stop the presses. Let me let me go ahead and throw that out there real quick. We're going to need to stop the presses real quick because uh, my pick is in. My pick is in. Um, hold on one second. Sharif Cooper. Oh, my gosh. No, hold on. Hold on. Actually, he's risen up the charts. He might play a little bit this year. I'm okay with it a little bit. I, I've warmed up to Sharif Cooper. Um, all right. That's a drum roll right now with uh, my two G2 Pilot pins, um, which are fantastic. Great, great pins. They're, they're the only pins you need. Um, Hashtag ad. Uh, <laughs> 
dude if they were a presenting sponsor i like i would give pilot g2 just an unreal minute and 30 ad just an unreal because i've swarmed by them for for over a decade but anyway i digress um no my answer is cam reddish my answer is cam reddish uh this preseason he is he's looking healthy he's looking confident i also think the opportunity for him is he has to play with good players and what i mean by that is he needs to be in the starting lineup he needs to be around other competent nba players uh veterans and that's what it looks like he will be doing so i don't think two things can be true we we joked that all three of our choices could be correct however there isn't i don't think i see a path where deandre hunter and cam reddish both are in lockstep for most improved player. I think at some point something has to give with one or two of them. Like I just, I don't think there is room for both of these guys long-term on the Hawks. So there, there's a reason that Reddish was popping up in trade rumors this offseason. But if he forces their hand and Hunter's knee never looks completely right, um, then, you know, he that the injuries make the decision easier on Schlink. But I think it's one or the other. I would not be surprised either way because of what we saw early on last year from Hunter, but that was a a surprise. Like I think Reddish will have that same early season opportunity and he can't be any worse shooting wise, right? Like we know the defense is there. (laughs) We know the defense there. He was shooting what? Yeah. 26% from three last year. Um, He's never shot 35%. His defensive rating per hundred possessions last year was 113. His rookie season was 115. So the, he hasn't even been like a good defender, a team defender, I guess, um, to this point in the NBA because the numbers just don't bear that out. But he was also on bad teams around bad players and all that kind of stuff. Um, all that being said, this is going to be the best collection of assets around him that he's had at this point in his NBA career. He is 21 years old. He is or 22. He just turned 22. And this kid... I just, if his shooting is real, if he can knock down corner threes, if he can get to the line a little bit more, if he can show that he can defend the best, uh, the best player on the opposing defenses, like if we get to see Reddish on Luca next Thursday, we're going to see a lot. Like that's something that we might see is him just being the primary defender on Luka Doncic next Thursday. That's very much in play. Um, we're going to see, but I think Cam has the biggest opportunity. He has the highest ceiling of anyone not named Trey Young on this team. Maybe higher than Trey Young. We'll see. But uh, yeah, Cam, he's my pick. We'll see. I, I'm all in can on I, Cam. Can I do an alternate prediction? No. <laughs> I think I think one of two outcomes happens mm. in the first half of this year. Okay. Either DeAndre Hunter gets hurt and Cam Reddish is counted upon in like a real way, mm-hmm. or DeAndre Hunter stays healthy looks great and cam reddish is not on the team by the trade deadline oh i agree i think one of those two will be true yes one of um yeah. I, I, i'm rooting by the way I, I i everything we saw from cam reddish against the bucks um last year on that very limited like hunter can't do that was so tan you're right you're right it was so tantalizing that it was like man i just i want that to be real so badly mm-hmm. um I, I don't know man i gotta see it i gotta see it for like two three weeks a month before i can i can think it's gonna happen and he's out of time like that's the sad part the team's too good like he's out of time this is it but but you were saying he needs to play with good players and i think Mm. that goes with what we were saying like if he's let's say he's playing 20 minutes a game at the beginning of the year mostly with that second unit he's playing with a a real ass NBA true. point guard in DeLon Wright. He's playing with Kevin Herter, who I, I rewatched the highlights from game seven, um, where Kevin Herter, you know, the Kevin Herter game, that's all that needs to be said. Mm-hmm. Um, he's playing with Danilo Gallinari, who's played in the league a million years and is a great shooter. Um, and 
you know, Gorgie Jang or, or Nick Kongu who are good. Well, I was going to say, Gorgie's probably going to start. Right, or Capella, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the point being, like, he's going to play with good NBA players even if he's not a starter right away. Um, but I don't know if he can if he can flourish if he's not really being counted upon. Yeah. I'm so fascinated. I just want to know, right? Like, we kind of want to skip. It's yeah. like when you're reading a good book and you're just like, I want to know how this ends. I just want to get through it. I want to get through chapter 13, 14, and 15. Let's see, let's see where this goes. Um, that's kind of where I am. Enjoy with the ride. I, I struggle with it, though. <laughs> I, I struggle with it. Um, final question on the Atlanta Hawks. Who stays and who goes? So, Garrett, tell me who you think is still on this roster. When we look at the opening day Hawks roster, who from this group do you think stays throughout the whole season? And who do you think ultimately is not on this team by the end of the season? Ah. Uh. See, that's tough. It is tough because it can go a lot of different directions. I think one person who very realistically is not going to be on this roster is Danilo Gallinari, probably. Ooh. Um, Whoa. That's my anticipation. Mm. Um, just because, I mean, look, he's got probably the most tradable contract on the roster, wouldn't you say? Um, so, mm. the most sense. Okay. Well, I mean, like, if you want to trade... So you would trade a draft pick or, or, or something, and then and then you match with his with his contract. Um, I would like say Bogey's more tradable, but like, mm-hmm. maybe, yeah. I mean, that's, that's another option. I mean, like I, I I don't see that happening unless Nyeko Kongu comes back a little bit sooner than we expect, mm-hmm. just because we need the the front court help a little more than we do in the back court. I mean, Bogey I think is in that same category, uh, but I kind of like Bogey staying on this team no i like bogey what i'm saying is that he has more trade value i think he's shown that he would actually flip a lot more like he's someone who could start and on a contender a player Mm -hmm. yeah value of a player yeah bogey is certainly a better player um but danilo gallinari i think it's just to make the money work i I think and and just because he's like a good solid player um so if you're going to trade for a veteran talent so like say like you want to go get i don't know just some other superstar bradley beal i don't know just naming some random person Mm -hmm. you got to make the money work Nilo Gallinari is likely going to be that guy who makes the money work. Uh, and per, and he's like, hey, he's a solid starter, potential six man coming off the bench. Um, and he would go with like a DeAndre Hunter or a Cam Reddish or uh, Kevin Hurt, one of those other guys, one of those younger guys with a, with less money on, a, on their deal. So Danilo Gallinari is my pick uh, if I had to pick somebody who's not going to be on this roster post-trade deadline. Okay. I like that. I like that. Uh, what about you, Max? Yeah, I think I'll separate this question into two scenarios, and that is like whether this is a super they're getting a superstar back or not. Um, I, I think I'll stick with like if they are getting a superstar, I think the answer is may well, I guess not this year. I, I was gonna say John Collins. Um, I think John Collins is eventually the the piece in the deal for the superstar that matches the the contract. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, Gallinari or Bogdanovich aren't isn't that guy. Um, and then you, you package Collins with Hunter probably and, mm-hmm. you know, whoever else for whomever. That could um, shoot a 30. Like, that could be Towns this year. Um, mm. Towns or Beal. Uh, but I don't, know, I don't know, like, what the deal is with trading Collins' contract um, in a, hit, a year after signing the extension. I don't know if there's any restrictions on that. Um it, well, I don't think you can trade Collins st- until December 9th, right? Like, you can't do... Right. I so think that, that's what it that is, yeah. That complicates the, the, like, this year part of this question. But mm-hmm. 
if let's say they don't, if the superstar deal doesn't happen until next off season or doesn't happen at all, um, I think the I think Gallinari is a, a really good answer. Um, and I think I was surprised to hear it, but your reasoning made a lot of sense. Which is, he was really bad for a lot of last year, and we were giving him a lot of a lot of shit on this podcast because mm-hmm. um, he wasn't good, uh, and he won us over in the playoffs. But I also think, I think it's a logical like we need to improve this spot. Let's package him with a pick and go get someone we really like. Um, Cam Reddish is my other answer, just aforementioned reasoning. Um, and we know they've been shopping him. Um, or we know teams have been calling. We don't know. Like, that's the one where it's like, uh, we don't know if it was they are shopping or people are calling. I think you can infer based on sort of like how the narrative went that they were like looking for a lottery pick mm-hmm. um, who was floating that and then they didn't get a lottery pick. Um, so I, I would, I don't know. I think, I think because of all we said about Cam Reddish before, I, he, he and Gallinari would be the two most logical not on this roster. Um, and then I think, I think Gorgie Jang's another one, just like a matter of if, if Capella and Akong were healthy, like he's not, he's not a necessary part of this rotation at all. Mm-hmm. And he, he signed a one year deal. So it's not like an issue or anything like that. But, um, I would hope Akong eats those minutes when he's healthy. I don't. I don't dislike. I don't dislike those choices. Um, I'm surprised neither of you guys said the, the guy that I was going to say here. It's not Hunter. Which is? It's not Bogey. It's not Herder. It's Lou Williams. Lou Williams. I I would lock in. Oh yeah. I would yeah, lock yeah, in yeah. Lou Williams not on this roster by the end of uh, this season, um, especially with Sharif Cooper and Dylan Wright. Like I think Dylan Wright's actually going to be solid, and I think he makes Lou expendable. I don't think we're going to see playoff Lou. Uh, I think. Solomon Hill might be someone who doesn't make it through uh, the full year, but of the main cast of the main group, I don't think Collins gets moved this year. I think fans love him and we know Garrett, it, it would pain Garrett because um, he loves Collins dunks. He loves uh, John Collins baptizing uh, unsuspected defenders um, who I, my under under underrated option here is bogey because I do think, is there a scenario guys where like, Herder even finds another level where it's like we have to put him in the starting lineup and that it can be okay with him and Trey and you can do Reddish or Hunter and then you still have Collins, Nkongwu, Capella, Gallinari um, and that core. I'm curious if Bogey becomes expendable um, based on that. I, I don't know because we still have Jalen Johnson who's the wild card and we're Hill factor in um, in this rotation going forward because obviously they have big plans for Jalen Johnson. Like they see him as a core piece. So if he's a core piece, I mean, that is part of the reason you have to think about Collins and Reddish and Hunter anyway. But I do wonder if Bogey um, is long for this group too. Like what if he, they move him because Herter's been so good that Herter is someone that they just would rather give more of the minutes to. And he's in that Bogey spot to start the playoffs. I, I don't know. Like I think Bogey is someone to keep an eye on. I'd be stunned, honestly. Hmm. Um, I think I mean it's possible, I guess, but I think we're sleeping on how good he was last year because mm-hmm. of the stuff in the playoffs, and he was hurt, um, and he was limited. He was he was he was really damn good last year, especially down the stretch. Um, yeah, and he shot forty four percent from three. Like I think all of us would have said in middle of middle of last year, mid to, mid to end of last year, probably that he was the second best player on the team. Um, but I'm just saying, like you have to shed I, salary at some point, and you're thinking about it, and like if you're gonna pay Herder. Like part of paying Herder is like you don't need Bogey at eighteen mil, right? I guess, but eighteen mil is a really nice sweet sweet spot, honestly. Well, you like, can't have him eighteen mil and Herder eighteen mil. That's what I'm saying. 
Like, that's right, just but, too much. You know, but it's also like, who are you? What contracts are you shedding before Bogey? You're, mm. you're probably shedding Gal- Gallinari before yeah. Bogey. You might even try to shed Capella before. Well, you're Bogey shedding Gallinari if you can play Jalen Johnson at the four as a rookie, right? Like that's the thing. Is if or can you do it or Hunter? Don't talk right. about Hunter at the four enough, which I I am excited about. But yeah, I just think like. I think he's a really damn good basketball player. This is only his fifth year in the NBA. We kind of sleep on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was so valuable down the stretch last year. And he's the kind of guy, too, who we saw last year can carry the scoring load by himself if Trey doesn't have it or is out. And I don't know, for, for all the depth we talk about, I don't know how many other guys on the team can really carry that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, we saw what happened. I mean, the, the Hawks, had they made their turnaround end of February. And that aligned with Bogey coming back. Like that, that, and then you saw how much better the Hawks got when Bogey's presence was added to the rotation. Uh, I think they, they won the first six, seven games of, of Nate McMillan's uh, coaching career, but those were also like the first six, seven games of Bogey Bogdanovich playing meaningful minutes for the Hawks. So, I mean, that's not a coincidence. The Hawks are a better, uh, excuse me, better basketball team with him in the roster, in the rotation, playing meaningful minutes. And, and so I would be very, very surprised if they do trade him this year. I, I would just be – actually, I would be floored if they traded him. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. It's exciting nonetheless. We have options. And I I mean, this is the best talks team in our lifetime, I think. And uh, that's yeah. exciting. And also, yep. the city jerseys are incredible. Like, we all I, universally agree, right? The yellow city university or whatever they're calling yeah. it jerseys. Absolutely. Second, second, okay. Second of the MLK jerseys. They, they'll never be able. To no, they're better than the MLK jerseys. I would say. Whoa, the whoa, of, whoa. It, The magic of the MLK jerseys is unmatched. Uh, I, I, well, that's two different conversations. Are they lucky? Maybe. Are they better looking than? I like the court more than the jerseys. Like the MLK court in Atlanta is just top notch. No, but here, no, real quick. I just want to I want to touch on one other thing before you, before you said talk about the jerseys though. Mm-hmm. You said this is the best our lifetime. No, this is this is the best Hawks team probably ever. Uh, mm-hmm. they go Atlanta Hawks. Have Look, I mean, they, this team won a championship in 1957 or something like that. The St. Louis Hawks did. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took on Bill Russell, but it's like a, a, but look. In our lifetime, we have never or ever since they've been in Atlanta, they have not had a team go to the NBA Finals. Number one, and this is a team that could very realistically be one of those teams like that, that is like one of the favorites to make it to the NBA Finals, and that is just so far and away better than anything that we have ever experienced as a Hawks fan base. So I, I can't I, honestly, this is this is the best team going into a season. This is the best Hawks team I have ever seen. I think that we've ever seen as a, as as a franchise. Mm. I, I want to run through a brick wall now. <laughs> Max is so I'm ready so, for this I'm season. I'm so excited for this Hawks team. <laughs> I'm so oh, ready. Man. I'm so ready. And if, if, if last night was any indication of what we can expect from this team, then look, 27 points, 15 assists from Trey Young. They went, I mean, yeah, they were playing a kind of a decrepit Miami Heat team. Um, that was like the shell of his team with Adonis Haslam at starting lineup. But still, the team looks efficient. The team looks primed and ready to play. They're, they, they look sharp. Um the rotations are fantastic. They play lights out defense. They go after boards. They play hard, play physical. They do all of the little things right. And, they, and if they shoot the ball lights out, there's not much that can stop this team. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you can tell. <laughs> I'm just, 
I'm really bummed that Atlanta decided to put together the best Atlanta Hawks team ever after I leave. Like, I, I don't know if the two are related, if I'm not allowed back as a permanent resident in Atlanta ever again, but uh, I don't know. And I move, and then they, they hit that next gear. So who is to say? Who is to say? Uh, Max Markovich, we can find you on Twitter.com at Max underscore Markovich. We can follow Garrett and the good folks over there at 92.9 The Game at GChapATL. Garrett, are you going to a high school game tonight? Nope, I'm back in studio. Oh, that's we right. You're back, a, what, for several months? Or several weeks, rather? Until, just until uh, the playoff push in November. So I, I'm here until November 6th or something like that, whatever that last first Friday. Okay. Friday in November, then, uh, then I'm right back out in the field. There you go. There you go. Um, Max, what about you? Uh, do you have any big weekend plans for, for Michigan? The bye week? Uh, bye week. For the big mm. bye week? No, I don't know how to spend my weekend, honestly, because of that. Mm. Um, Are you going to hit the links? Oh, man, I might, dude. I really want to. I don't know. My, my golf game's been in and out, and it's getting toward getting toward winter. Um, mm. But might have, might have a few more weeks in us. Good run. Okay. There you go. There you go. Guys, thank you so much for the time. As always, I greatly appreciate it. We will be back next week. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.